afternoon, good morning, good evening. The sun is setting, the summer heat has dissipated, which means I'm functional again. Welcome to the All About Windows Phone Insight podcast with myself, Ewan Spence, up here in a Scottish summer, um, which is currently about 17 degrees, but it reached 28. Uh, I'm your Rafe Blandford down in England, who are probably still trying to work out if Andy Murray's British or English. Oh, he's definitely British. He's only Scottish when he loses. But yeah, for everyone in Australia, we hope you're enjoying the snow. For everyone in the tropics here, it really have seasons. We hope you're enjoying whatever weather you do have. But here in Britain, we get to complain about the weather nonstop, including on Windows Phone podcasts. I love the way you try to make it nice for Australia, because isn't this is the point where you, as an Englishman, should be mentioning things like, oh, I don't know, the ashes? Well, I think I'd be far too polite <laughs> to actually mention that, but it was rather a bit... The Lions nice. Tour? That'll be just cruel anyway. I'd need to be worth to really gloat about that. <laughs> uh, we hear about Windows Phone, though. Um, are we in a position to gloat about Windows Phone this week, Rick? Because the, the launch of the 1020, the, 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 the results that will come through, it's been a relatively good week. It's not it's not a gloatsome week, but it's it's a it's a proud week. I think most of the gloating went on last week with the launch of the 1020, and it's not very often that you know, a platform can say, got the best camera phone bar none and no one could really say oh but what about the you know when you've got this massive backside illuminated sensor in there which the nearest device you'll find it in by the way is something like a a five thousand cam five thousand dollar pro camera um and for me and i've been talking to steve about this just this week as we're doing a 920 925 image comparison it really all comes down to that, that size of that physical sensor. And really, that's why the 1020 is so special. I mean, there are the 41 megapixels and all of that kind of oversampling and zooming. But a lot of that just comes from that base sensor size. But also, I, I mean, in terms of uh, closing this week, I mean, actually, it's from a, a few weeks ago, Kantar released their latest results. And you kind of uh, are reminded of the stark reality of Windows Phone. It's at 6.8 mark percent market share in Europe and that's kind of the best market that it, it, it's in if you look in the states it's still not doing that well that was reflected also in Nokia results so I think people have to be careful before they get carried away with the enthusiasm but probably what is fair to say is it's a lot better than it was last summer and you know it's going in the right direction it's just taking a while to do it and I think both Microsoft and Nokia and all the other manufacturers underestimated how much time it would take to build this third ecosystem. The evidence is that it's still going to happen, but it's just a very long period. And you compare it to what iOS and Android, and it's just not even on the same scale and all that. And so every time I read those criticisms of it, you have to go, well, it's fair enough. But I think what all those criticisms also need to do is go, actually, Windows Phone is establishing itself uh, slowly but surely. So, I mean, if we take Nokia's numbers, um, if we if we do a little bit of basic math and arithmetic and previous sales patterns, they're on course to do about 32, 33 million handset sales of smartphones this year, which is about what they did the, the year before the burning platform memo. So it's almost like they're back to where they are. And in a bit of fair windage, you're probably at about 42 million Windows Phone handsets for uh, 2013. Is is that enough? Is can, does it still need the stabilizers from Microsoft as it were? Is that enough to have a stable ecosystem? Or does are we still in the building, the, the forming stage of the management? Um, and we're, we're so far away from norming, it's unbelievable. I, I think you have to look at it that it's still very much in the building stages. And you talked about the results being kind of the same as the year before. But actually, I think it's still going to be um, that there will be more smartphones 
solving that year if you're talking about 2011. If you talk about 2012, which was the um, last year, I think there is going to be an improvement in performance. Um, and if you look back to 2010 even further, you know, that's a, a bigger mountain to climb. But I think the point with regard to that is actually this court kind of represented the time when Symbian disappeared. It went down to a few. Well, that functionally of zero, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that was how it was expressed. I mean, tens of thousands of sales, and we'll probably get that again in Q3. You know, as the kind yeah. of last bits of stock disappear. Yeah, Steve will buy them all. <laughs> That's right. But actually, from the point of view of the Lumia devices, it was you know pretty good news. There was actually a, a slightly greater than expected increase, uh, in up to seven point four million units. But with all of that, you have to remember that the smartphone unit is still losing money. You, you look at things like the contribution margin it's making devices and services, it's still negative. That's basically because you have more operating expenses when you're creating a smartphone. Uh, and therefore, you know, you kind of need to sell more of them to, to break even. If you look at the kind of the current cost structure that Nokia is carrying for uh, smart devices within the device and service division, a rough back of the envelope calculation would suggest it's between 12 and 30 million devices to break even. Now that kind of assumes the cost structure stays the same, which won't necessarily happen. You could increase marketing spend, for example, and that puts uh, OPEX up. Uh, I would actually suggest in kind of a sustainable business, they need to get to the 15 million mark. And at that point, people will have to stop saying they're losing money on smartphones and that they're making money. And it's interesting that that is, uh, in terms of units, they need to sort of get out of the second tier of smartphone manufacturers and start moving towards uh, Samsung and Apple. They don't necessarily need to catch up straight away. Obviously, longer term, they do. Uh, but actually, that's not that far away. You can see, you know, with reasonable growth in the next few quarters, they'll be approaching that break-even point. Um, interestingly, in the outlook, Nokia didn't make anything of a prediction, unlike they did the last quarter. Because last time around, they said, we'll grow by about the same amount as we did before, and they were pretty much spot on. Uh, the analysts actually expected them to do a bit more, which kind of accounted for a bit of a drop in the share price. Um, but the bigger concern was actually around mobile phone devices. They're still going down and kind of the future path for them seems a, a little more unclear. I guess we won't dwell on that because we're a Windows phone podcast, but from that point of view, that was kind of the bad news in the, the Nokia results. And they're looking at devices like the Nokia 501 to see if that can get turned yeah. around. But I actually think the Windows phone device results were pretty positive. Um, or as as good as could be expected is probably <laughs> a better way of putting it. Because make no mistake, they're still losing money. Um, but you know, and enter that period is definitely within sight, and there is cause for optimism if you look at the devices coming. We've got the ten twenty, the nine two five going on sale, the nine two eight on Verizon, um, the five twenty, the seven twenty getting global distribution, and obviously there'll be more devices announced uh, this quarter as well. So there's always this kind of gradual progress. But at the same time, you, you can't help but look at some of the lowlights. For example, if you look at results from the US alone, 500,000 sales, that's down from 600,000. Uh, I think that's actually going to change because of all those devices coming along, 9 to 8, 10, 20, exclusive to Verizon, AT&T, also the 520 start, or 521 in the case of the US, starts to get going. Uh, and so you know, I actually titled the news stories for this uh, a mixed set of results. And I think that's actually really what's going on here. You know, if you look at the context of Nokia's recent past, actually these great results year on year, much better than last year, much greater cause for optimism. But they're still, you know, struggling. They're still not making money from smartphones. And given that's a growing market, you know, the fact that we're having to make comparisons, are they going to sell as many as they did last year or a couple of years ago? 
it's not a good thing. They should be doing much better than that. But uh, I, I did kind of conclude by saying, in the industry contracts, it looks poor next to Apple and Samsung. But these, to me, suggest that Nokia's kind of coming out of the chasing pack. It's going to sort of start moving back up the smartphone manufacturer lead tape in terms of volume shipments, but also you know in terms of profit as well. But so let, long, let's long be fair, Ray, that chasing pack, though, what, it's Samsung, um, who, who are kind of focused elsewhere, HTC, who are... Um, ticking along quietly uh you know there's not a lot in the chasing pang as you kind of said the windows phone is about 75 80 percent nokia and the rest is everybody else yeah i mean when i'm talking about that chasing pack i mean uh generally so all right so including things like sony xperia and stuff like so you know htc also a company that's in quite a bit of trouble i think actually probably a good example of what might have happened to nokia if they'd gone android as is uh, sony and their xperia range uh, nokia's i would say outperforming those companies but long long way behind uh, samsung and uh, apple and but uh, i mean it does kind of justify in a sense the windows phone decision because they are starting to own that market as you were just saying the 80 percent level and they are standing out and being different. And Stephen Elock again was talking about with operators, you know, we'll offer something different. And there's just enough evidence to just suggest that is true. I mean, it's very easy to be skeptical. There's plenty of evidence you can mount up and say they're doing a bad job or they're not doing well. But mm. I think there's enough evidence that actually says they're managing it well. They're doing a good job. The progress is slow. I'm not sure we should really have expected anything else. I mean, you look anywhere else in the industry and kind of establishing that new ecosystem or a new entrant, which is effectively what they became, it is difficult. And I think there's so much expectation on Nokia because of their past performance, their kind of past glories in smartphones, um, that, you know, it, it's perhaps better to say, well, how are they doing compared to HTC? I mean, in one sense, that it shows how far they've fallen. Um, but that's why I say mixed results. Um, but it's not surprised to see, you know, positive headlines like, you know, selling 6.7.6 million and, oh, they've now sold more than BlackBerry. Honestly, I think that's a pretty meaningless comparison in some ways. Um, and they certainly should be beating BlackBerry given the respective you know, stages of the cycle. BlackBerry 10's only really just come out. Um, I don't think BlackBerry will come back and, and beat Lumia, by the way. But, uh, you know, I think the more interesting comparison is, you know, looking at where Android was, you know, eight months or eight quarters after it started and it was selling uh, somewhere in the region of 20 million units a quarter obviously that's a lot more than lumia is doing to be fair you can look at the other side of the coin and say apple well they actually were selling less at this stage in the respective launch cycles but those are very much apples to orange comparisons actually i think nokia and windows phone more generally is somewhere in the middle of all of that um, and so it probably deserves more credit than it sometimes gets from the media. But let's not get carried away and get too excited about the performance. It's very much steady as she goes and what we were expecting. And, and let's be fair here, and I'm going to put on my sceptical eye here. When Android was at that level, their primary competitor was Symbian, uh, an OS that was at that point starting to get very, very creaky and demanded Nokia change it because it simply could not carry on for that much longer uh, as a modern operating system. So Android positioned itself as the replacement Windows Phone at the moment. There's nothing it can really replace in the market apart from the share from BlackBerry 7, which is only about 3%. And it's pretty much there already. Again, apples, oranges, very hard to make comparisons. Yeah. You're, you're so, right. um, 
we, we, we could we could each have on our happy Elop hat or our, our nasty Tommy hat. It's however what sort of good we are when we record the podcast. <laughs> it, it, it is that, but your point about you know that comparison, it is more competitive now. And if anything, you know, Windows Phone is maybe better positioned to take share away from feature phones. You know that idea that Windows Phone worked really well for the the mass market and for maybe lower cost devices it, it has its greatest strength it doesn't mean it, it doesn't have potential at the high end but that was actually kind of evident in Nokia's numbers the growth was driven by the sales of the Lumia 520 620 720 that's good news in one sense because more units are always good but there is definitely this issue that Windows Phone has yet to really break through at the high end and devices like the 920 the 925 the 928 the 1020 the 920 did okay uh, but you compare it to the sales numbers of the iPhone or Samsung Galaxy S4 and even the HTC One, there is work to be done there. Uh, the 1020 will be really interesting to watch, as will the 925, because I feel those are both much more polished experience than anything that Windows Phone or Nokia's had before. Uh, and I think also a halo effect from the 1020. And it, of course, the more that Windows Phone sells, you then get more apps, you get the network effect really start kicking in. And I think that will particularly start happening once you get above you know, the 10% level, but you know, it's going to take a while to get to that level. Um, and then it'll be very hard to go on from there. Cause as you say, it will then really be having to compete by taking share from Android and iPhone. So I think you have to remain optimistic if you're interested in windows phone. Uh, as I say, I don't think it's doing worse than expected. I actually think if anything, it's doing slightly better than expected, but you also have to be realistic about the level that it's at. So we'll move on from all of that, and I'm sure you can all find your uh, good news and bad news in there. Um, I'm going to find some good news, um, and it's in the Xbox Live. Yeah, you know, it's finally here. Rafe, as a non-gamer, what do you make of the word Halo? Isn't that what you have on Angels? That's true, yes, um, but that's not the answer we're looking for. If we're playing 21 questions wrong, that would be great. You'd be through to the second round, but we're not. Uh, must to do, do with Halo products, which have a good uh, knock-on effect on everything else in the ecosystem. Indeed, yes. And one of those Halo products is called Halo. Ah, and this is about <laughs> running around shooting people. It's about running around shooting people, yes. Uh, the in gaming space. franchise... Um, on a planet in space. Oh, okay, um, it's, it's, it's on a planet or it's on the ground. So it's not technically in space, but it's in space. Right, okay. Because all anyway, planets are in space. Run around and shoot things. Uh, <laughs> it's... Um, Halo, of course, is the genre that really sold the Xbox and came into its own when the Xbox 360 came out. Uh, and it is a huge, great, big, known brand name. Um, and it's one of the few brand names that will only be available on Windows Phone. Interestingly, it's also available for Windows for Windows 8 as well as Windows Phone 8. And your game status saves between the two machines. Uh, so you can play this in your Surface RT tablet, for example. Put that down, um, the, the five people who have an RT tablet. Uh, pick up your Windows phone, uh, the one person who has an RT tablet and a Windows phone that's not employed by Microsoft, and you'll find that your game save moves over. And uh, Again, really nice, really sick combination, but the main thing here is it's a Halo game and it's on mobile. Actually, no, that's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing is it actually works. <laughs> so have you tried this out, Ewan? I have, yes, after a fashion, uh, <laughs> because there was a bit of fun. Um, first 24 hours, Nokia handsets that were outside the US. 
who in theory should have got access to the application, we're finding up that the, the Verizon exclusive was causing a little bit of issues with the Windows launch store. That's all fixed now. It's nice to see good clear communication on the Twitter channels that it's like, we're working on that, guys. It'll be with you within a day. Pity it happened. Good feedback when it did. The thing I really like about this is they've remembered that it's on a mobile device, so they've went away from trying to put in a first-person perspective, full 3D experience. They've went for an overhead camera, uh, with a slight 3D effect. So um, old-timers who, who will think of Smash TV, it's like that. Uh, your virtual stick on the, the left controls direction, virtual stick on the right is the direction that you fire. You can run in, run in one direction while firing in the other. Uh, those of you who are um, you know are familiar with the Xbox Live, Gun Brothers uses this on Xbox Live, but Halo Spartan Assault is much better at doing this. It, the control system is not quite perfect. It's not a full 360-degree control that you have on the character running around. And you're, you're seeing about 32 separate directions. It's not a complete 360. So um, it, sometimes you can't run in exactly the way you want to run. And firing, there seems to be only 16 directions um, of the gun as opposed to a full 360-degree sweep. These are quite minor things that I've spotted as somebody who's deliberately trying to spot something going on. People who've picked up uh, Windows Phone to play Halo and haven't played this sort of game before and aren't that many on the platform, I think will be very much impressed with what they find. It's also it's smooth, it sounds right, it looks right, even though you're looking down from the top the, the, the enemies in Halo that you've seen before, you're seeing them again. The weaponry acts the same, looks the same in the silhouette. This is a very good reimagining of Halo on a small screen device. It's also, it also doesn't have a trial version. It's a, if you want Halo, you buy it, and then we'll show it to you. And that's very interesting. Um, Do you think they're just relying on the brand there to get yes, people in? To, to I, and, and we should say that it's uh, five pounds forty nine, or it's uh, it's at the top level tier. Yeah. Do you think uh, it's that value for money? I mean, would you buy it? I mean, you have bought it, obviously, but I would you buy it, it yes. again? You get the invoice shortly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When was the last time I put in expenses for all these Xbox Live games? Uh, there we go. It's a tricky one, and the thing is. As a whole, Windows Phone needs to show developers that they can earn money here. Uh, and I think part of that is not devaluing everything down to 79p um, for your great big game. I think people out there are going to be happy to play a good quality game. Um, XCOM Enemy Unknown has just popped up on iOS, and they were charging $13.99 for that title, $19.99 in the other areas. And people were buying it. Uh, and I I think that there there's a group that will only buy things if they're at 79p and it doesn't matter about the name. I also think there are groups that realise something like Halo takes a long time, something like FIFA 13 takes a lot of time and you are going to get 20, 30, 40 hours of gameplay out of these things and at that point you go well is that worth a fiver? You know um, that's how much I can get um, Taylor Swift's Red for in the CD reject pile uh, in Woolies. How long would, would you know? Would I listen to that eight times uh, to get forty hours of enjoyment out of it? Well, probably a lot more. Maybe, maybe not you, Rafe. I don't really peg you as a Taylor Swift fan for some reason. But I think wait, Windows Phone as a group are doing their best to try and keep these prices higher, so that even though, so even though unit sales are lower compared to somewhere like Android. More people are more people per head are buying 
and they're buying a slightly higher income rate, which means that the developers are getting a better return per user on Windows Phone than they are on Android. It's a really difficult balancing act. Um, what I what I would love is if Microsoft at the end of it went, here's how much Halo sold, bang, and it's millions. Yeah. Um, and to do that, they would need what? Um, do the maths, everybody. I can't be bothered doing the maths now. Um, it's still too hot up here. They would need to have a lot of people buying it. Um, yeah. And if you're thinking, what what are we think for the installed base of Windows Phone at the moment now, Rafe? About twenty nine million. Thirty million, yeah. About thirty million. But it's going to have to be Windows Phone eight. It's going to have to be the higher handset than Windows Phone eight. So it's nine or ten million. Potentially. So you Potentially. Know, that's a lot of people buying it. And yeah, we- you need about a third of the installed available base buying this to make uh, it sound really impressive. Indeed. I mean, it is available for Windows 8, and I suspect this is a case of Microsoft would develop it and, you know, not give it away, but, you know, they're, they're less concerned about the profit levels on this particular one. because The developers are going to get paid, I think, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> I think the only slight uh, find the ointment here is it is a bit of a, a freemium game, and I say that somewhat ironically, given you have to pay quite a bit for it, but some of the upgrades are only available if you actually pay for them. Now, there are some caveats that if you're using Halo on the Xbox, you will get some of them for free anyway. Um, but those upgrades, it doesn't necessarily make it absolutely essential to play the game, but when there are 50% or so of the unlockable items that you really are going to have to part with cash for, having already paid for the game, that's not going to amuse some game players, is it, Ewan? No, and again, it's an interesting model. Um you know, Electronic Arts have kind of went the other way on this completely. When you look at something, but again, I'm going to look to Android and iOS here and Real Racing 3, which is a completely free download, but there are so many freemium buy-ins in there. Um, it is unreal. Um, I don't mean the game, I mean the state of mind. It's Developers need to get paid. Microsoft needs to show the model. If they, Microsoft are tra- able to turn around and show that there's, you know, X thousand dollars per week coming through in freemiums on Halo, then developers might go, well, if we get 10% of that number, we can have $500 a week coming through, uh, which is going to be, a, you know, what's that, 26000 a year? You know, now if you're a bedroom hobby core at university, that's, that's going to get you through university. Um, you might be eating ramen for something, but it will get you through. And it's all about trying to find the right business model for Windows Phone. And I think that's the key here. It's finding that balance and the best practice so developers will be happy to make money, um, will be happy to code so they can make money. And this requires experimentation from Microsoft's point of view. Um, and Halo is a good place to do that. They're putting up a premium title. It's going to have a fair amount of advertising. You know, how much... Will that earn compared to uh, a five ninety nine title that does have a trial version that has a relatively strong name, say FIFA twenty thirteen, um, that's available as an Nokia exclusive, and then we see those numbers. What I would love to see is them being much more open about those numbers. There's no point hiding the secret sauce inside Redmond on how to make a really good game and get the most value out of it, or a Game Loft um, or a Glue Mobile. Everybody needs to know. Yeah, I think the likelihood of seeing any of those numbers is pretty slim. But you uh, mentioned FIFA 2013 there. For those that don't run, like running around shooting people in-game, that is, uh, what about this game for people who like running around kicking things? Well, it's exactly the same game, isn't it? You know, It's just that one of them has rules and there's a set way to do it and you have teams that do it together and the other one is based on uh, British football. 
Ooh. Uh, FIFA 2013, um, EA's franchise in the football game um, against part of this Nokia exclusive deal they have with Electronic Arts, which has brought about 30 to 40 titles out over the last year. And uh, interestingly, a lot of these are slowly bu- bubbling through, you know, after six months or so, the exclusive period runs out. We've just seen Flight Control Rocket now become generally available. Um, and it's a weird one because, you know, 80% of Windows Phone base is Nokia, which means they get these exclusives and the other 20% are excluded. Nokia want the games. Nokia want to build up the ecosystem. Nokia, again, are, are, are paying up front getting the games, and then using that to build the system. So they're getting their reward there. Developers are still getting paid. Does it leave those HTC and Samsung users out in the cold? Well, it does. Um, but, you know, nobody forced them to pick up those handsets. Yeah. So we talked know? about that in the past and sort of said, basically, tough luck, um, although we have uh, sympathy for those. I think another division that gets talked about quite a lot are the, the 512 megabyte RAM divide. That is high specification versus low specification. We really need somebody to go into detail on those numbers on the Windows phone store and find out just how small a percentage actually is. Well, it's funny you should say that, um, Ewan, because that's exactly what I did this week. And obviously, I'm so glad been reading the site properly. So I have, I have not been reading. I've just been reading the script notes you gave me for this podcast. Excellent. Anyway, (laughs) what, what this revealed that out of 150,000 odd active live content items, so that's apps and games in the store, just 331 of them were not compatible with the low spec devices, which was actually a much smaller number than I thought it'd be. And actually, of those, most of them were from just a couple of developers. The situation with games, it's actually slightly worse. It's actually 0.361% of games are not compatible. So that means out of every 300 games, one is not compatible. But those incompatible games do tend to be quite high profile. It's things like uh, Halo, although that's going to be getting an update in August for the low uh, specification devices. So that's good news. Uh, FIFA 13, we've just been mentioning, Tiger Woods, Mass Effect Info Creator, Amazing Spider-Man, uh, and various others. It's quite noticeable that many of these are actually from EA or Gameloft, and I suspect they're using badly optimized game engines, and so they won't run on these lower RAM devices. Could badly optimize just been we've got to get it out there to get the games there and we'll deal with the flaws later. Well, exactly, and we've signed this contract and we need to... I'm turning into Rafe, I'm being nice. (laughs) Yeah, but honestly, you know, some of those have been updated and, you know, one of the points I made in in the article about this was actually we've seen a couple of things get updated. Uh, The Unity-powered games, um, I think Temple Run, a good example of this, originally wasn't compatible with the low-spec devices, it now is. So I think we'll see more of those but we are going to see a whole bunch of games that kind of were developed last year or have in progress from EA that you know, use this unoptimized game engine that aren't going to be compatible. And so you know, if you're thinking about buying one of these devices, really the only thing you need to worry about is game compatibility. We've actually um, put a, a complete list. You can download it on the site, PDF of all 300 items. So you can decide whether it's going to impact you. But honestly, it's one of these things that gets talked about as being a real problem. I think unless you're really into your games, it's not really a big deal. Um, because if you're buying one of these devices, obviously you're looking at a lower cost device. And if you see what's happening on other platforms, Windows Phone is a kind of a beacon of light by comparison. Now you will be able to pick out examples where these games are available on the kind of the lower spec Android devices. Someone did that in the comments for Nova 3, kind of prompting my response about the game engines. But on the whole, you'll find that Windows Phone is actually probably better as a, a gaming platform in terms of the smoothness of what's on offer. Um, the only thing I'd say is 
you know, EA game off need to work on their game engines and get them on the 512 megabyte devices. Uh, but go and have a look at that if, if that is a decision that you'll be thinking about. Um, if you're really into your games, you probably do need to think about getting a, a higher spec device. So uh, interesting one to look at. Uh, we're going to have some more reports on the App Store, looking at some various other elements in due course. So keep an eye out for those as well. Oh, see there, that, that's good. I like that. Throw forwards, teasing, make people keep coming to the site for the stuff uh, that we're going to write up. And uh, we did promise last week on the podcast, we'd look at some of the other announcements that came out um, of the New York press conference uh, and the associated stuff around Nokia last week. Um, but before that, is there anything we can mention about HTC and Samsung? Um, I mean, did I see HTC hitting up a new Sprint device? You did see HTC getting up a new Sprint device. We mentioned this briefly in an earlier podcast, but this H. HTC 8XT has now gone on sale. It's kind of best described as a cross between the HTC 8S and 8X. It's kind of got the colour dip design of the 8S, but it's got some of the specs. Kind of, it's a high specification device, yet it's got a low resolution screen. So, kind of a, a peculiar mix. Uh, but I think it's important to note that this is kind of the first time that Windows Phone 8 devices have been available on all four of the big US operators, which is one of the reasons we might see a kind of an improvement. For performance for Windows Phone in the US over the, the next quarter. It's going to be followed up by the Samsung Galaxy S8 uh, of Neo. I've put the You're not allowed to use the word Galaxy in there, though. No, I'm not. So no. <laughs> if, you just, if, if you say that, then, then that's all of Samsung's marketing, but you go, great, you didn't mention Android, you mentioned Galaxy. Woo, we win. Um, now, the, the Samsung 8 of S Neo which is a reworking of the Ative S, is also appearing on Sprint as well. Again, keeping relatively same specs, 1.4 gigahertz dual-core processor, 1 gig of RAM, 8 gig of storage, micro SD card support, way! Um, that 4.8-inch display, which I have to say was really impressed with when I got my hands on the Ative S at the tail end of last year. 2200 milliamp hour battery, relatively good specs, um, and it does give Sprint a choice over the portfolios. Of, you know, it's, it's like, well, we've got all the manufacturers coming in, we're not giving Nokia a clear run. Um... But again, you know, you look at this, then you look at the, the 925 and the variants that the Sprint will have. Why would you go for the ATVS? It's it's plain vanilla Windows from experience. You know, HTC offers more than Samsung. Nokia offers more than HTC. And with the American pricing, everything is $100 to $150 yeah, in I, store. I, I was surprised by this. I couldn't really understand why Sprint would not want to offer a Nokia device. I'm sure Nokia offered them something they've deliberately chosen to go Samsung and HTC. It may be, to be fair, what they're used to. You know, Sprint and Nokia aren't traditionally uh, close partners, but we've seen Verizon take on the 928, for example. And I think Sprint is honestly going to struggle when, you know, it, it's got Nokia offering Windows Phone plus devices with all the Nokia software. Of course, part of it is that Sprint is particularly strong as a carrier and offering its own services. So it does offer its own music service. It offers its own branded version of navigation. I think it's actually uh, uh, based on one of Telemap or Teleatlas uh, service. And so Nokia sort of muscling into those areas might not be something it's like, and hence it's gone for these other devices. Um, other sort of non-Nokia use, we can actually mention Samsung, uh, they've now released their chat on instant messaging client for all Windows phone devices, as they did for Android and iOS. It's kind of the WhatsApp that Samsung have done themselves. I can't see it being a, a, a that bigger piece of news, but obviously they're, they're doing a little bit in the Windows phone app world. So that's interesting. Um, other than that, I mean, it's the HTC results, which came out recently, weren't treated very well by the stock market. It's really a case of, uh, the HTC one sold well, but not ha well enough to keep all the analysts happy. 
And obviously they haven't really done any Windows Phone thing um, apart from this 8XT since the 8XS came out. And, you know, uh, they need to release another device to kind of get current, I guess. Um, they are starting to deliver GDR2 to their devices, but I think we'll mention that right at the end of the podcast as our last item, Ewan. So yes, my throw forward now is from slightly earlier in the podcast was to Nokia's here service, the geolocation spatially aware application suite uh, that Nokia uses. And it's one of the great big differentiators of the handset. You have mapping just works um, and they continue to make an improve, but it only just works because Nokia's been working at this for such a long time. When you contrast it to something like Verizon's mapping service they have on the 928 uh, in the same way that Sprint has their own mapping service that we previously mentioned, Nokia are, and I, I hate to use the pun here, Rafe, but they're streets ahead. Um, and every time you think the competition are going to get relatively close, they, they just come up and they just pop on some more stuff as well. And they have extra lenses and stuff and extra renderings and augmented reality layers and new lenses to, to parse up information. I mean, what are the highlights for you out of the, the here update that happened last week? Well, this update it was actually trailed just before the 1020 announcement, but it's now kind of available to all. I think if I had to pick out the highlight, it's actually in here drive and it's adding something called the My Commute feature. And what this does, it allows you to set up a number of predefined routes and have them pinned to your home screen. And it will actually look ahead and see whether there's going to be traffic and advise you of that and talk about how long it's going to take. And that information will all show up on a live tile. You can then proceed along that route and you'll actually be automatically rerouted if there is traffic or rather offered an option to do so. And it's not just, you know, routing. It will actually look at the traffic conditions, as I say, look ahead and then say, right, you should go this way or offer you three different options or maybe four different options, depending uh, on the scenario. And so, you know, looking at one of the examples in the screenshots, you can see there's three different routes. One is 16 minutes, one's 19 minutes and one's 21 minutes. So it's this idea of using SatNav uh, when actually you know where you're going. It's a regular journey. Normally you wouldn't use it, but you use it to kind of drive or get more intelligent information. I think it's a really interesting idea. Uh, my commute isn't new. It was introduced, I think, on the Lumia 900 and Windows Phone 7.5 devices, but only in select markets. It's it's now available in more markets. The details are actually in the news story. It's basically where Nokia's got traffic information. You'll be getting this uh, My Commute feature. Uh, and talking about traffic information more generally, you now get the traffic layer within Drive. You used to just get it in here maps, but now you're getting it in Drive as well. So that's nice to see. There's still room for improvement. For example, I'd like to see this uh, dynamic rerouting in response to traffic information happen on normal navigation at the moment. It's just in my commute. But as an interesting feature, that one really did you know, kind of catch my attention because it's so more than just a standard uh, sat-nav. And using that kind of intelligent traffic layer, especially in that look-ahead fashion, you know, you're sitting at your desk and you're going, you know, I need to get home by a certain time. This will help you do that will help you, you know, look ahead and go traffic conditions likely bad on that route that you sometimes drive. So drive this one instead. And that kind of intelligence is, you know, always been the goal, I think, for kind of the smartphone experience. And I actually tried this out a couple of times and it does work very well and it was saving me time. Um, and so I think if I was doing a regular daily commute driving, which I'm not at the moment, um, I'd definitely uh, put this in and, and try it out. The other thing that was kind of introduced with this, it was kind of here drive coming out of beta. Uh, as a result of that, there's actually a distinction between here drive plus and here drive becomes 
more obvious. And here Drive Plus is actually on the lower cost devices, the Lumia 720, the 521 and the 520. That just includes a single navigation. But what happens if you want to go abroad and still want sat-nav? Now you can buy the upgrade to kind of world navigation license. The cost, obviously, there is a cost involved in that. It's uh, 15 euros, 49 or equivalent in your local currency. I think that's pretty reasonable uh, if you want to get here drive. But it's also kind of interesting to see that's how they price it. That's the extra that you're getting with here drive plus. Uh, as a result of these changes, Nokia actually also making it available in more uh, markets for non-Nokia users. Uh, previously, it was, I think, uh, US, Canada, Mexico, UK, France, Italy, Germany and Spain. That's now been extended to Australia, China, Denmark, Finland, Hungary, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Russia, and the UAE. However, in those markets, you are going to have to pay for the app. Um, it's 35 euros, I believe. So again, interesting kind of looking at the price levels. Uh, but it's again this emphasis that for Nokia here is a platform. It's not just about app differentiation. Well, on the face of it, so go, why Nokia giving away their crown jewels? Well, it's all about wanting people using the here platform. Um, I think you do have to recognise that there's a difference between having it pre-installed and obviously being able to download it after having bought it on a non-Nokia device. That actually also applies to Here Transit, which also got an update. For me, the Here Transit significance of that update, it's got a reworked user interface, easier to use, just feels a little smoother, less complication in the icon and some of the background imagery used within that application. So a, a nice update there. Again, this is actually going to be available to more non-Nokia devices. It's going to cost two euros. Uh, interesting, Nokia is sort of advancing this all the time, greater coverage, kind of seeing others catch up with this. Uh, Apple, for example, just bought a company called Hopstop uh, this week, which basically does something very similar to Here Transit. There's also an update for Here Maps in that it's a kind of a small update um, in that it's got this city lens or it's got built in this augmented reality view you can now freeze that so it just makes it a bit easier to use so you hold up your device see something press the freeze button you can bring it down and look at it in more detail it, it again is available in more uh, markets for non-nokia devices it's going to be available completely free so you know quite a big set of updates uh, and as you say it is this kind of iterative movement and i think it's one of the unrecognized crown jewels in nokia that you get these out of the box you know it really does work incredibly well and one update that is kind of in the works for the phones, it's now available on the website, is updated high-resolution satellite imagery. I mean, this is one area where I think Google Maps is notably ahead of Here Maps at the moment. Uh, but if you look on here.com, you'll see an updated version of the satellite imagery. That's actually a result of a complete re-engineering of the back-end systems at Here. They've uh, kind of reworked how they store and deliver satellite imagery in order to support this high-resolution stuff. Uh, it's available on the web now. It's not available on smartphones yet, but my understanding is that it will come out before the end of the year, maybe by the end of the quarter, but maybe in uh, Q4. And you know, obviously, that kind of is a, a, a big progress to get that better quality uh, satellite imagery. But it is just a step on the road to the really interesting stuff, which is uh, kind of more augmented reality moded stuff uh, that's collected with the LiDAR data. And that's still a little while away yet, but... Uh, I guess it's good to see that uh, in that aspect, at least, it's kind of catching back up with uh, Google Maps. I think it's superior in other areas. It's always with these products. You know, 
some plus points, some down points. But uh, I've downloaded and installed all these updates, and I'm a regular user of all the apps. So it's difficult not to uh, be too positive uh, about it. You know, there, there's still always work to be done, and I think your experience very much depends on which market you're in, because that tends to dictate a the quality of the maps and b the quality of the uh, point of information database. So, for example, I think Google is often stronger in the US. Go elsewhere in the, re the world, though, and I think here maps and knock is. Uh, location databases generally rule the day okay. have you installed these you have you tried them out you know i don't do a lot of driving i don't do a lot of moving around and edinburgh this this labyrinth of cycle paths and paths i tend to have in my head so i'm not actually a great big maps user um but saying that when i was away on holiday um, and we were going around um my wife big user as long as it's got surfer dude doing the voice then that's the GPS. She's tried all the other ones. Come, always comes back to Nokia. All through Symbian, through the Windows Phone 7, and up to the Windows Phone 8 devices. And again, it's that. It's there. We know it works. Um, that's it. It's done. You know, and when you go back, when we look at things like review the other handsets, like the HTC, like the Samsungs, um, it really is noticeable, the difference in maps at that point. You know, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Uh, and... It always strikes me that when people go, so why didn't Nokia go with Android all those years ago? You know, I think one of the sticking points would have been Maps. Google would have wanted Google Maps to have primacy for all the data coming back. Nokia would have went, uh, no, we want all the data coming back for the mapping. And I suspect that was one of the many issues that went, you know what, we're just going to go for the more more interesting option of Windows Phone. Um, more interesting when, option, that's one way to describe it. Yeah, sorry, I've got my Rave hat on here. Um, and things like Nokia's Here Map Analysis, which Steve posted up at the start of the month, um, where the anonymous data of people moving moving through five cities using Here Maps um, is displayed graphically. Just fascinating look uh, at the sort of back end that's required to make mapping really work. And yeah, Nokia could have went with Android. Yeah, they could have had a third party, you know, perceived as a third party mapping application, but everybody was stuck with Google Maps and they would have lost this advantage. Nokia have very few advantages in 2011. Mapping was one of them. Mapping is still one of them. Um, it just works. Uh, and that's what we want from our phones. And um, if it hadn't been used by another company, it would have been a really good slogan. <laughs> it's, it's an important point, uh, this for location in general. I think people generally underestimate the value of Nokia's assets. And it comes out of Navtech, but also some other acquisitions. It's now sitting in the Here division. And actually, you can probably kind of get an impression of the value in that here does sit in its own division separate to device and services uh, and like Nokia Siemens networks. And that kind of tells you that there's three legs to the company that is Nokia. And this location platform, you know, people see it at the surface with things like here drive and here maps. And then also the way that Nokia licensed the data to others, particularly in, say, the uh, car space where 90% of car manufacturers are using Nokia data. There's plenty of other apps that use it as well, and Microsoft obviously using it on their services. Um, they're signing kind of partnerships all the time. The most recent one with Esri, a really big player in the enterprise GIS space. And it's really the investments that are going on there kind of start to be a little bit mind-boggling. We've talked in the past a bit about some of the data capture with cars that goes on with clever laser, LIDARs, and multiple cameras, and all of that. But Ewan also was talking there about the kind of behavior of people and smartphones. That kind of data is getting captured, and that's where some of the uh, traffic information comes from. Actually, Nokia collect traffic information from multiple sources. They have uh, probes that's kind of sensors out there measuring traffic in 
thousands of locations, but also anonymized data coming in from people moving through cities. That's going to become really important in the future as you try and tie location together. And you need a very robust platform to deliver that on. And that's something that here is building now. And that's actually underlies a lot of the strategic thinking behind some of the decisions behind here, which is why sometimes it takes a while to get things done. And it does contrast quite strongly with the kind of Google approach. And Google, in all fairness, is here's only real competitor as a map and data provider. There is Teleatlas owned by TomTom, but they're kind of fading away a little bit. They haven't been investing the same amounts of money. But Google is very much about creating uh, a map layer and then, to a certain extent, putting things on top of it. And advertising is the cheap answer, but actually it's more than that. But, you know, their end goal is creating a web map and that happens to also go on their Android devices. Uh, for Nokia, it's quite clear that here's about more than that. It's about creating a location platform of which just one product is this uh, mapping layer or this map app, or map service. You know, they see location as being far more of a kind of overreaching index or axes, if you like. And, you know, they talk about here in the same, you know, wanting to become the here company, in the same way that Google is the what company and you know, Facebook is the people company and all of that kind of thing. And it can strike you as a bit of hyperbole, but actually there is a, a genuine kernel underneath all of that, which talks about their ambitions in this space and gives you a good idea of what's going on. And I think uh, in the years to come, we'll kind of see more evidence for that and people will go, hmm, this came out of almost nowhere, but actually it didn't because they're thinking about it and doing it now. And the benefit for all the Windows phone users is, of course, you're getting some really great uh, map apps from people who really know their stuff from high quality mapping data, the offline usage and all those other attributes. So I'm sure we're going to talk about here more in the future because uh, there's lots more to come from uh, those guys, mainly based out of Berlin, but also in Chicago and all the other here offices around the world. There we go. Uh, and there's probably an overlay to tell you where those offices are because from Chicago to Berlin would be a rubbish song title. Uh, okay, right, we're close, coming up to the end of the podcast. You did say you wanted to mention GDR. We've got about 27 minutes left, so you better start on that now. Right, uh, this is GDR2 or General Distribution Release 2. This is kind of the second big update for Windows Phone 8. We've talked about it plenty in the, the podcast because it's actually running on the Lumia 925. We had a lot of questions about when's it coming to existing devices. Well, uh, this week we posted a story about how new Samsung devices, newly manufactured Samsung devices, that is, are actually shipping with GDR2. And there's now plenty of evidence to suggest they're also getting the over-the-air update. Also, HTC have started delivering the update over-the-air. Um, so that's arriving mainly on European variants. I suspect you'll start arriving on US variants this week. So that kind of update process has now started. Nokia hasn't done anything yet. Um, of course, they have delivered the 925 with it. And they're also delivering, of course, the AMP update, which kind of uh, introduces a whole extra layer of functionality, almost more than in GDR2 itself. Uh, we'll talk more about GDR2 once it's kind of a bit more widely available, um, but there are relatively few updates. I would describe it as a minor update. You are getting things like DataSense and FM radio, which we've mentioned previously, and there are a lot of bug fixes in it. But it's probably don't get too carried away or too excited by it. Uh, I think Nokia owners maybe can get a little more excited because there are a few more uh, things in it for them. Uh, Nokia glance screen probably being one of the most notable, certainly changed the way I use my Windows phone device. Um, in terms of the schedule for Nokia devices, nothing official yet, 
but I wouldn't be at all surprised if we start seeing movement this week and in the early weeks of August. So watch out for that. You'll get notified automatically once the update is available. And then in most cases, you'll need to download it over Wi-Fi, although some operators will also allow it to happen over a 3G connection. It's all pretty seamless. Those who remember the first update, GDR1, also known as PortGo, will be quite familiar with the process, so you can expect something similar to that. But keep an eye on the site and we'll uh, keep you informed of when it becomes available and do more information on what's exactly in it. Although if you look through our archives, you'll find plenty already up and posted on GDR2. So as the uh, sun sets on the podcast, there was one last thing to do, and it was something we didn't do last week. Yes, it's time to put Star into a reasonably priced smartphone. And Rafe, our guest this week is... Uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Maybe do you mean app of the week that we didn't do last week? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to steal the format from Top Gear, but it's not going to happen, isn't no, it? We've got app not, of the week. And we're not going to do, do app of the week this week, are we? we don't. We are going to do Star on a reasonably priced smartphone. Well, actually, we're going to do sound in a reasonably priced smartphone. Okay, here's going... my, here's my. That's a very nice sound. But if you want yeah. to have something maybe a little more thought through or high quality. This is a, a, a tip that you can get them on your device. The Nokia design team, that's the team that actually is responsible for designing all the ringtones and the tones and the music that Nokia used, both on their phones and in adverts and in other circumstances. They've actually put a whole bunch of sounds up on SoundCloud. Uh, you'll see the link in the show notes, but essentially there's things like the Nokia Core Collection, which is the updated version of the Nokia ringtone, the startup tone and various others, but also a whole bunch of regional ringtones, music used in adverts, uh, alert tones and all that sort of thing all up there for you to download which is great news unfortunately windows phone will only let you customize the ringtone you can't actually customize the other alert sounds which is uh, a bit of a shame really needs fixing microsoft but if you do want to uh, customize your ringtone you'll need to download it put it in the ringtones folder it's kind of in the root directory um, of your internal memory of your phone do that by connecting it to a pc and just bringing it up in file explorer or the equivalent uh, but these sounds can be downloaded from uh, soundcloud.com. You have to look at the Nokia design team account. But there's a, a, an alternative to App of the Week for people to customise their phone a little bit. Do bear in mind that an awful lot of those sounds will already be on your phone, kind of out of the box as part of the default Nokia package. But there are some unique ones in there. Personal favourite, the updated meowing cat sound, although it does rather send the cat berserk if it, the ringtone goes off right next to a sleeping cat. So maybe not the best one to choose. Uh, and for me, sound of the week would have to be remember that if you are putting an MP3 onto your handset and you change the genre to be ringtone, then it will appear in the setting system for you to do a custom ringtone. I know that it should be easier to do a ringtone and just go, I want that from my database. Uh, but that's how you do your song. That's how I've got the Crazy Frog version of the Doctor Who theme uh, on all my Windows phones doing the same. So um, it's not a sound of the week, it's a sound tip of the week. Yeah, Change the genre to ringtone. Or download the uh, Nokia Ringtone Creator app, which actually makes... The right, we can't always be all about Nokia. We have no, to do no, stuff. That, that one, the genre trick works on all of them. Uh, that's true, but there are Ringtone apps. I was going to say that... Are non uh, you, you were going to say well. other Ringtone apps are available, like the Radio Times, weren't you? Uh, I, I, I was. But there we go. That's our audio tips of the week. We'll probably have a return to App of the Week uh, in next week's podcast. But thank you very much for listening. Ewan, over to you to sum up. Thank you very much for listening. Excellent. Kind of stole my thunder at the end there, didn't you? I did. I'm sorry. Do you, yeah. Would you like to say goodbye to everybody then? Goodbye to everybody. You've done it again. I just won't say anything at all then. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Cool. We'll be back next week. Drop in there.